Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. And we are your hosts. That's right. What you got here is uh, is a Star Trek podcast. Embarrassed guys. It's all the ingredients. It's what it says on the tin. <laughs> now what we do is uh, we're reviewing the entire series, right? It's true. We are almost to the halfway mark. Yeah, a lot of people want to know what we're going to do when we're done with the series. What do you want to do, Ben? I'm proposing a Sequest DSV podcast. <laughs> you don't want to just go regular Sequest? No. No. I uh, I have said this a couple of places. I think that there are kind of three three paths that I see as... Well, there's four paths. One is that we just stop. <laughs> One is that we... For the good of the nation, we just stop finish. this. Yeah. One is that we go to the end and then go back to the beginning and start again, <laughs> which I love from a craziness standpoint, but I worry would, you know, like this is too many layered inside jokes as it is, and that could just be, that could just be a problem. And then the other two options are either we do Deep Space Nine and then Voyager, or we start to do everything in order, where it's like order of air date, Deep Space Nine episodes intermingled with TNG episodes. Mm. Commingling. Yeah. Which uh, I kind of like that idea from a, I don't know, just it appeals to me in some ways. And in other ways, it doesn't, but... <laughs> slumming it on an sd version of this show made me really think about doing the other series where hd is not a possibility yeah kind of bum me out oh uh, buddy are they ever going to i mean is that just off the table are they are they ever gonna up res uh the I, other series i am surprised that they up tng yeah. i mean it must have cost a fortune. We didn't deserve to that. Go back into the archives and retransfer all of the thirty-five millimeter film, re-edit everything, and then like recreate all of the special effects. If they had known that our podcast was going to exist, <laughs> I think they would have made a different choice. Yeah, they wouldn't have wanted to show us that much detail on the nuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not ready to make a decision about that now, but it is something that I'm thinking about. And <laughs> fortunately, we have another almost year to come to a decision. <laughs> That's true. This is going to be season four, episode 10, The Loss. We start with a uh, kind of like a low rent Dr. Crusher type in uh, in therapy. Ben, this is this is some peak '90s mom hair on, yeah. on this person. If we've ever seen it, she. Uh, I feel like they brought this this wig to Gates McFadden, and we're like, eh, 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 <laughs> and she's like, no, I like the three wigs that I have. Thank you very much. 
You give that mom wig to somebody else. I feel like uh, they, this this woman went to the hairstylist and asked for the <laughs> mom from home improvement cut. Uh? <laughs> yeah. And they gave it to her. They sh- mm-hmm. That's for sure. I want to look like I pronounce it Volvo. (laughs) (laughs) So she is uh, one of Counselor Troy's patients, and they are in Counselor Troy's psychology room, right? Casa de therapy? This therapist office looks like the area in a casino between the lobby and the buffet. Like, there's that big blue glass wall and and some fake plants. Maybe they used to have Kino in here, but not anymore. They got that long, wavy couch. <laughs> yeah, they do have that long, wavy couch. That looks like uh, that looks like one of those things where it's it's really a bunch of couch segments, and you can kind of configure it in whatever wave you want it. What do you think is the craziest couch you could get away with and still be a credible therapist? Like, could you rock <laughs> could you rock lips couch in a in a therapy <laughs> context and be taken seriously? <laughs> What about giant couch, like in the uh, lamb chop yeah. universe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All the great couches, Ben. <laughs> this has been Star Trek Couchcast. <laughs> Hot on the heels of Star Trek Haircast. Yeah. This woman is in therapy because her husband bought the farm uh, about a year ago, and she thinks she's hot shit, but she really has no defense for Troy's therapy skills like she's she's sitting there trying to play it off like i have no ongoing psycho-emotional struggles and troy's like she kind of mores her you know she's like well actually after your husband died you thought you got rid of all his belongings but we have a special guest and a uh, luxbridge music box (laughs) comes out from backstage (laughs) and the the woman is, uh, she's wrecked. Yeah. It turns out you are the mother of this music box. <laughs> yeah. What is it with people that have lost a spouse that this music box thing is like <laughs> their only solace? You've been therapied. <laughs> Troy just walks, gets up from the couch and walks out. Bah! <laughs> yeah, she knocks a, knocks a water vase over, <laughs> flips the table and, and leaves. Got another one. Mm-hmm. This is all happening, and uh, we cut to the bridge, and Picard and Riker and Worf just doing some, some uh, your basic bridge business when uh, they start to pick shit up on the sensors, and they're like, hmm. Sensors indicate a vast field of... A what, Lieutenant? It's gone. Oh, now they're gone. And they keep picking things up, and... Uh, Picard's like, all right, let's let's bring the ship to a stop and figure out, like, is this a problem with our sensors? Is there really something out there? What's going on? It's It feels a little bit like a Nagilum trap because that's that it was does. his move. Yeah. And it's a weird trap, too, because, like, the, from this point on, they don't have any sensor glitches. Like, they're not still getting talking about getting, like, weird readings after this. But uh, they cut back to Troy, like, giving uh, giving her client a, an girl as she 
heads out from the end of her you know she does that thing where she like looks at her wristwatch and she goes oh well that's actually 45 minutes so uh i'll be uh seeing you same time next week she seems she sees the light at the back of the club and she's like oh that's my time thanks a lot (laughs) yeah drops the mic (laughs) (laughs) therapy She kind of like, she has a little petty mall seizure almost. Deanna, are you all right? What? What? You faded out there for a second. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. Um, I'm just very tired, that's all. You know how I just spent 45 minutes telling you to like face your problems and (laughs) not try and brush it off? I'm not going to follow that advice myself. I'm a fucking, I'm a professional here. I uh, I appear to have taken the Hippocritic Oath. <laughs> okay, headphones off. I'm going to take off. <laughs> uh, the studio audience was there for that one. I know. I don't know why when I do a joke like that. You can't predict the behavior of a studio audience, that's for sure. Yeah, they are MIA for, for my shit. <laughs> you get the cricket audience. That's what you get. Yeah. They're like, all right, well... This seems to have been a sensor glitch. Let's beat feet. Let's get out of here. We got Ubers to do. We got uh, distress signals to respond to. Let's get out of here. We got to pick up so- Picard's dry cleaning from that last mission where his, uh, <laughs> his uniform got all fucked up. Yeah. So uh, they tell the, the new Helmswoman, who was actually, I think she was on Helm in the last episode too, the same extra. They give her like- a ton to do this episode, almost as if... Like she is to be a a viable Wesley replacement. Like right. she They're does like, not get the one throwaway security random scene where she says something about being confused and then we never see her again. Like she has a good dozen lines of dialogue in the show. Yeah, she's a, a absolutely a featured player in this episode. Yeah, but uh, doesn't make a big impression. I didn't. I didn't think like. They didn't like while they give her a lot to say, they don't give her any character as such. Right. Right. So they step on the gas and uh they're stuck. Stuck in the mud once again. And they're baffled and as as they express their bafflement, we cut back to the uh therapy office and Troy is like is tormented she's like in uxbridge levels of pain and she's like she's almost stumbling. full vineyard right yeah she's stumbling around uh she radios up the doctor and the doctor's like yeah everybody's got a headache right now like <laughs> cool your boots that's what happens when a banger gets dropped mm-hmm. people get headaches she did something that i've not really noticed up to this point in the show that i just wanted to call out because i saw it twice in this episode which is she taps her communicator badge and says, Troy to doctor, I got some business for you. And then she taps it again as though to like switch it off. Hmm. And that made me wonder, has every time somebody has tapped a communicator badge before now and not tapped it again to switch it off, they just left the line open? <laughs> Boy, Because could- I feel like that... That's a fun way to rewatch the series. Like, what if everybody on the other end of that communication can hear what, you know, Riker is saying right now (laughs) or what he's up to on the holodeck? (laughs) If someone were to keep track of all of those clicks, it turns out that, like, when people think they're clicking it on, they're actually clicking it off and they're talking to no one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
It's uh, just something I thought. It's uh, it's communicator continuity is what you're talking about here. Right. There's not they a decided, lot of it. They decided to add a new mechanic to the communicator that hasn't been there before. Like the communicator used to be smart enough to switch off, presumably. I don't know. Dan. I don't know, Adam. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been The Greatest Generation. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> I I almost feel like uh, Marina Sirtis is like uh, Sirtis. Oh, oh, you're going to get in trouble. (laughs) I almost feel like uh, Marina Sirtis knows she's getting an episode where where she's she's at the top of the cast list. And she's like, I got to start making some decisions. Mm -hmm. Decisions with respect to continuity, especially. (laughs) So I'm going to start hitting my communicator all willy-nilly. Yeah. What's going on here, Adam? What is afoot? The Enterprise has wandered into some quicksand. Some space quicksand is the deal, <laughs> right? Some two-dimensional yeah. space quicksand. Yeah, they got to grab a space vine to uh, try and get out of this predicament. What you want to do when you get into quicksand is lie flat with your arms yeah. and legs out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to move around that much. The more you move, the deeper you go. But yeah, it's like, so there's this two-dimensional life form or series of life forms that they're caught in the flow of. And they like, they send a probe out to look down from like a god shot on the Enterprise. And they like put a bunch of filters on the camera and they, and they get a, get a look at these particles and they're, they're pushing them. And there's just nothing they can do to extract the Enterprise from this, from this flow. Like they they're you know straining the engines against this and they're just stuck yeah every time they try to break free uh, it ends up coming close to destroying the ship so yeah they uh they kill the engine and they just sort of like a uh, like a car going through a car wash they sort of throw it into neutral and they stop fighting it and they yeah. just they just sort of go with the flow this coincides with troy discovering that her headache is not just any headache she has lost her ability to uh empath with people she's she's uh going around complaining about i mean it's like losing a sixth sense you know like she's she feels genuinely disabled in this in this episode and i think that it was interesting to see a character go through that and in a kind of an emotionally authentic way um you know i think that we've had some interesting stuff from Jordy on the uh idea of a of a character in a super advanced future who has a uh, who nonetheless has a disability um Troy is like in this episode is it's all about her coping with the onset of disability and it's like she is having a full-blown freak out like the entire time and and says a lot of things about like what it's like that I think uh I don't know rang true to me. I mean, I don't I haven't ever gone through this before, but uh it seemed like you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just written by people who have no idea what they're talking about, you know. Yeah, her description of what it feels like for her doesn't isn't a good look for her, I think, because mm-hmm. 
how she describes it is everyone around her has been reduced into like two-dimensional movie theater standees of themselves like she's like so the deal is i can't sense any of your emotions and that makes you nothing to me like you are you're just like caricatures you're just like a face yeah she's like you know how most episodes i'm just a reasonably attractive woman who is obsessed with chocolate and that's all there is about me that's how you are all now to me (laughs) oh man yeah she really turns the tables doesn't she (laughs) yeah and uh you know that's a legitimate grievance that she's got there (laughs) it is i thought i thought the timing was really unique in how this episode plays out so she loses her powers she goes to Six Bay and talks to Beverly. We know up to now that Beverly and her are best friends. Yeah. And uh, and Tro- they even do sexy leotard workouts together. Yeah. And it feels like Beverly is not being her friend, and instead being a being a Pulaski like doctor with her in terms of her hopes for getting her powers back. Tro- yeah. Troy is like, oh, I'm. Like occasionally I'll I'll get sick and and my powers won't be won't be like they should be and they come right back right Doc Th- these are gonna come back right and Be- and uh and Beverly's like well I think you should probably prepare for the worst <laughs> almost yeah, not making any promises <laughs> like bedside manner leaves a little bit to be desired at this point especially from someone who's supposed to be your friend. Yeah, well, and and they deal a lot with this, right? Like, they talk about how doctors often make the worst patients and how, I mean, they, they definitely address the fact that she's kind of coming from a very, like, hypocritical angle given the kind of work she does. Like, she's not accepting anybody's offers of, like, talking to a their other qualified psychologists on board. Like, there's other people that could, like, kind of help her through this this journey like the only person she even she ever like really relents and accepts some even some sympathy from is Riker and but that's after I, initially rebuffing him right pretty strongly yeah. and so like like she's she's melting down like she goes to the captain and lets him know like she can't do she can't do the gig anymore. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you can do the gig just fine. Just because you don't have a superpower that makes you extra good at it doesn't mean you can't be the counselor. She goes into the captain's office, and instead of putting a badge and a gun on the desk, she, like, puts her leotard on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be your potted plant anymore, Captain. Do you think it's weird that it was basically a day, a day later, she quits her job? Yeah. Well, I think that's that's really weird. And the other thing that's really weird is that almost no consideration is given to the idea that it has anything to do with the <laughs> environmental factors that have the ship trapped. Yeah. Like, nobody raises that as a possibility. And it's like, it, that's strange, right? Like, the, it... It's onset immediately coincided with them getting stuck in this mud, and and you you would think that they would have at least raised the potential of it, right? It's almost as if the doctor assumed that it happened during the fall, like during the banger, 
But at no point did Deanna express that she had hit her head on a glass table or anything. <laughs> like that wasn't part of that was not part of the symptoms that she presented to the doctor. Yeah. Well, this is a very inexpensive episode. Yeah. Yeah. This is when they don't is, even go so far as breaking a glass table. You know, you get a cheapie. Yeah. This is a cheap ass bottle episode. <laughs> this is a uh, plastic bottle episode. <laughs> ben, if you were to lose uh, a skill of yours that had a reasonable chance of returning to you, do you think you, you would quit your profession like <laughs> 24 hours later? I mean, I think about it all the time. I, I feel like I would give it a week. I'd give it a okay, week, yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah, give it a week. And Deanna's supposed to be the hopeful one. Yeah. I don't buy it. Also, word gets out that uh, that she has uh, submitted her two weeks notice to the captain. And um, when, uh, when Guinan... I'm, I, they don't show this, but I'm sure that when Guinan catches wind of this, she goes and puts on her extra big hat because she is wearing by far the biggest Guinan hat we have seen yet. Uh, it's a this, hat uh, big enough for the occasion. Yeah. So Troy is like chilling in 10 forward. And there's a pretty funny scene where Guinan like walks up behind her and Troy is totally shocked because she has no spidey sense anymore. <laughs> Like, uh. <laughs> Do you mean to startle you? <sighs> That's all right. I'm getting used to it. Guinan gives her like a fresh cup of coffee and sits down and goes like, "Hey, like, uh, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna take your job. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go for it." And you know, like everything Guinan does, it has like an ulterior motive of getting the person she's talking to to like get their get their thinking onto onto her level yeah um and uh because because troy's reaction is like you can't just you can't just be a counselor you gotta you gotta go to to counseling school you gotta (laughs) you gotta get some years under your belt you're a fucking bartender guinan what the hell and and uh and and guinan starts to like therapize her and troy's like i i see your little game I know what you're trying to do. Guinan's like, you've been therapy. (laughs) Yeah. And this ends basically with Troy being like pretty upset, like annoyed that, you know, like she's, she's on her high horse, like getting out of this gig, but, but really annoyed at the idea that Guinan is going to be taking her place. You know, we've said it before. Guinan would, make a great counselor i think so but uh yeah i mean it's like maybe it's like that kind of thing where you don't want you know if you're bidding for a gig and some other production company that you are aware of lands it you're like fuck like i know they're gonna do a great job yeah like and i'm never gonna hear from that client now because they're always gonna go to these guys yeah Um, there's an entertainment value to guidance therapy that i don't think Deanna Troy can stand up to like like Guinan is sort of the Dr. Fraser Crane of therapists like like she could do it in public and entertain people she's so good at it and I think Troy's form of therapy is much more vanilla I guess yeah despite her obsession with chocolate I see what you did there 
This is around when the stakes get raised, which is that the ship is... They're looking out the front of the ship, and they uh, they discover that in in the path that this uh, two-dimensional flow is taking them on is... What is it? A cosmic string segment? Is that what they call it? Yeah. A cosmic string? No wider than a proton, but with gravitational fields as powerful as a black hole. Two-dimensional beings seem to be caught in the gravitational pull of the string. Their course is taking them directly toward it. And us right along with it. This cosmic string is not played by Idris Elba, though, unfortunately. (laughs) It's just as deadly, though. Yeah. We got an elastic product. You know what that means? That means when people can go elsewhere and get their printing and copying done, they're going to do it. You acting like we got an inelastic product and we don't. They start to get, like, panicky, where they're like, uh, shoot some torpedoes at it. (laughs) Which, it feels like a totally natural reaction to me. Like, yeah. a lot of times their actions during an emergency seem too sensible uh, to to read as realistic. Like, they're very yeah. patient most of the time when disaster is looming. And at right. this point, what they're doing by shooting torpedoes at it feels like something I would do. Like, shoot it and let's get out of here. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Yeah. So that doesn't work. And... uh we cut back to Troy, and she's, like, trying to pack up her office. And this is when we learn that Troy has, like, 700 iPads. <laughs> is this really the right bag to be uh, to be packing 12 iPads in? Yeah. it's uh, it's It looks like it's going to be a tight fit. And I, don't, I think that there's even a part where she attempts to close it, and it doesn't get all the way closed. Somewhere of something else. between now and the 24th century, something big happened in the world of luggage where <laughs> yeah. they just stopped caring about yeah. form or function or comfort. Tumi went out of business. Yeah. You got, Jansport went out of business. You got the roundy that we've seen a bunch of times, the roundy plastic duffel, and then you've yeah. got this Halliburton metal suitcase that, yeah. that Troy's carting around. So she gets called into the ready room, and Picard's like, I know that you're trying to quit, but I need you and Data to work out a a plan here. And she's like, fine, fuck. <laughs> she's, trying to, she's trying to leave in peace. And uh, so she agrees to this, and she goes into the observation lounge and starts talking to Data, and she gets kind of struck with inspiration in talking to him. And... She's like, these are life forms. This this two-dimensional flow that we're caught in is a life form. And we've been worried that, oh, like, they're going to get dragged into this cosmic string with us. But maybe maybe they're not moving toward it because they're caught in its gravity. Maybe they're like a moth to the flame. And we can, what if we could, like, make a, a, a better flame for them to go, to go be attracted to? So... This is a pretty funny scene because she's she gets like on a roll and she's like, "Sorry, do you want me to shut up?" And Data's like, "No, like this is great." <laughs> Normally, you don't say anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Continue. What if they've chosen a course to the cosmic string? A case of pure stimulus response, driven by instinct, just like the moth to a flame. You should do this more often. You're not bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like if if Data had to hack Troy, Troy's password, like he doesn't have enough vocal information to do an impression <laughs> of her voice. She's she's spoken so little throughout the series. Yeah. So the plan is they're going to use the deflector dish to make a to like make a echo of the cosmic string. They turn gonna... the deflector dish into the speaker from the beginning of Back to the Future. I thought, yeah, yeah. like it's a fun yeah. idea, right? Right. And uh, yeah, and uh, they uh, they have Marty McFly down in a uh, deflector control. Drop drop a G <laughs> on that electric guitar, <laughs> and, uh, and it, uh, it, it it works. Like there's enough turbulence in the two dimensional beings that. They're able to break free, and like just the second they break free, Troy is like, is like, you know, all of her senses come flooding back to her, and she's like, oh, this is great. It wasn't actually their certain doom that they were heading to at all. That's where they wanted to be. The cosmic string was never dangerous to them. It was the one place in the galaxy they most wanted to be. The end. Well, it's not quite the end. Not the end. I am as cute as a ball. There's like a hang where she and Riker and Guinan are kicking it mm-hmm. on the uh, at a uh, at ten forward. Oh, and, and I think Beverly is probably there. Yeah, yeah, she is because there's sort of a uh, you guys. I was a real jerk to all of you. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And then uh, I think Riker uh, is looking to get some booty out of this situation. <laughs> she was like, "She was like, uh, no, <laughs> you were you were pretty hard on me there at the beginning." Yeah, Riker goes in for a kiss. Yeah, which seems fairly strange given yeah. their relationship. Right. Well, I mean, like, I think, I think he was like maybe more instrumental than Guinan in kind of getting her to stop you know stop the uh feeling bad for herself festival yeah and the way he did it was being like like he's her closest friend on the ship and he was like he was not sugarcoating the situation for her you know mm-hmm. and that's that's why he doesn't get any uh any kisses at the end but uh i think it get I sugar it give kinda, sugar yeah but i think it was the kind of like tough love that she needed in that moment you know yeah do you feel like Troy's crankiness about her circumstance is a purely female trait on this show. I was thinking about that as I was watching it. Like if, if a similar, well, this also coincides with another point that I want to make, which is like this season seems definitely about loss to me. Like Mm. Picard with the Borg Worf's loss of honor uh, and and the death of his girlfriend, like Ishara Yar betraying Data's, friendship Wes leaving like these are examples of loss and now troy gets an at bat uh in the loss league and her 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 reaction to it is so different from anyone else's like she she falls apart completely in a way that the male characters who have had to deal with it haven't really i mean i guess save for for picard in the vineyard but yeah. But uh, Troy plays it out professionally 
and in front of everyone in public in a way that Picard doesn't. Like, yeah. it's one thing to fall apart in front of family. Like, that's pretty much the safest place you can do it. But in a professional context, like, Troy is the one who cries at her desk. Right. This is, yeah. Somebody sent us, like, a Medium article on Twitter about the uh, ep- the Remember Me episode where everybody's disappearing. Yeah. And how... It was like a, a very interesting perspective on on the episode, basically saying like, despite the fact that everything that the doctor is saying sounds crazy, like everybody believes her like instinctively. And that's actually a pretty radical thing from a like women in the workplace perspective, like women's complaints often get kind of disregarded or downgraded. Yeah. Um so and 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 they're saying like you know dr crusher essentially has picard's complete trust that she what she's experiencing is real right up to the end of that episode which is uh something we didn't we didn't notice but somebody somebody did and wrote this big article about it um so i don't know where i was going with that I but think, i guess i think our I think we did discuss a little bit, but just in the context of Beverly's relationship with Picard and less about yeah. its depiction of of uh, gender credibility. Like, yeah. we didn't go quite that far into it. The other thing I wanted to talk about was just, like, I mean, everybody keeps going, like, maybe you should get into some therapy. Like, I know it's, like, not not your first instinct, but maybe that's the right thing. And she is so resistant to it and... I think that we've seen a bunch of that, like the Lieutenant Barkley episode, like he's really freaked out about going to therapy too, which is weird because why would like one of the most highly ranked officers on the ship be a therapist if everybody in the future is terrified of of uh, <laughs> talking about their fifis? Like it's a it's a strange, I mean, like they seem more resistant to it than the average person in my life. But then again, I live in New York, so <laughs> where everybody's in therapy. I mean, is the through line that they're not, that they're telegraphing, but they're not talking about is that, uh, they're all Scientologists. <laughs> yeah. They never show them with the, uh, with the cans, but, <laughs> <laughs> the can- but you, you can, ass- you can assume they're there. The cans are just out of frame. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? Um, I did. I I think it's not a great episode, but um and and I'm I have some misgivings about the story arc for uh Troy, but I thought Marina Sirtis's performance was was really good and she really like brought a lot to it and you know, they gave her a lot to do and she more than more than stepped up to the plate and uh i feel like it's been a long time coming it's asking a lot to get an actor to just fall apart the way she does in yeah. in one scene in particular uh where she is with uh with frakes and there's a certain amount of i think vanity you have and you're asked to just like to ugly cry the way that she mm-hmm. does and yeah. i i admired her performance for that reason you know, like up until now, she's been uh, she's been the bridge officer in the bodysuit. Yeah. And now I think she's more of a developed character than she's ever been. Totally. 
Welcome to the show, <laughs> Counselor Troy. Four seasons, ten episodes in. <laughs> I feel like we know who you are now. Yeah. Darmok, Angela, and Tanaga. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben, you want to check to see if we have any Priority One messages? 
I think that's a good idea. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a first of a couple of Priority One messages here. And uh, this one is a personal message. It is from Richard Dodson to Ben Connor. And uh, here's, the, here's how it reads. It says, Today is your B-Day, and this message is my gift. You aren't going to see this on your B-Day, so tonight at your party, <laughs> you'll think, I'm a dick for not having gotten you anything. Then you'll see this. And you're going to feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the excitement of seeing your name on a pod while riding your bike to work doesn't cause you to run into a car. (laughs) Wow, very macabre. Wait a second. Oh, I guess because they're viewers, right? That's why he he wrote it all as C. Yeah. I'm I'm not quite as smart as Richard. (laughs) Richard gets our references better than we do. Yeah. I like this form of friendship. I feel like this is a uh, this is very similar to 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 how I treat my friends with a with a bunch of teasing, yeah, <laughs> and a bunch of uh, a bunch of manipulation about expectations. Yeah, fun. Well, happy birthday, Ben. Uh, that uh, sounds sounds like you got good people in your life. Richard says that uh, he thinks Ben's gonna think he's a dick, but he is most definitely a Richard. <laughs> That was terrible, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, the studio audience liked it. Oh yeah, they're behind me, a hundred percent. We uh, we have another one, Adam. Do we not? We do. So uh, we have a message here for my Peruvian princess uh, from her uh, incredibly attractive husband. Uh, there are do- no character limits on from and for. I've noticed. so here's the message to the naked peruvian princess doing her hair and pretending to ignore this nerdy podcast yes jesse this is for you happy 40th birthday i hope to experience many more with you p.s papa is giving you butt sex tonight so prepare Who is that? Who is that gift for? Really? <laughs> I don't know. It really sounds much more like it's from an incredibly attractive husband. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesse, I'm sorry. Well, I the, to me, this sounds like a, a lady who is excited about getting butt sex from Papa. Yeah. Either that, or a woman who is trapped in a marriage with a man who does not understand her at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Attractive Husband, make sure you have consent for that butt sex later. Yeah, I want Riker levels of, of butt sex consent uh, before any of this goes down. But assuming that that is all in place, uh, happy birthday, Jesse. Uh, a little bit behind the curtain of this one. This was our first Priority One message where we were asked, are you comfortable reading this one? <laughs> and emphatically, we both were like, yes, obviously. <laughs> Uh, good times. If you would like to leave a Priority One message and test our limits, uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal and 200 for a commercial message. Sorry to the uh, birthday boy and the birthday girl for just revealing the price tag of your gift. <laughs> 
Oh, is that all it costs? <laughs> I was made to believe that that sort of activity was far more expensive. <laughs> uh, well, it amortizes, Adam. Once you've used the butt plug a few times, the price really starts to go down. Mm. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'd be curious to hear, hear yours first, Adam. I haven't done that to you in a while, but... Yeah, uh, Shimoda Table Turn is what that mm-hmm. is. Uh, Drunk Shimoda is the character, actor, or moment in the episode that we find as being the most incongruent or strange or amusing to us. Uh, we call these moments out as a way of honoring our favorite bit part in the series, uh, Jim Shimoda from episode two. Yeah. Uh I think I really struggled to come up with one for this episode, and it was a toss-up to me between 90s Mom and <laughs> and Wes's replacement because, to me, they gave Wes's replacement so much to do, and I felt I kept feeling like it was going somewhere. Like, <laughs> okay, like, uh, eventually we are going to get something out of her character that that we'll be able to latch onto. We never get that. I I have expected her to be killed somehow too because they also do yeah. that as as an effective way to set something up. Yeah. That never happened. And so it just felt like an empty an empty character and I'm wondering <laughs> if she's going to be in episodes coming up. Like Yeah, I don't know. So I guess my Shimoda is the wasted oppor- opportunity of maybe developing something here with the new helmsman. Like Right. Why not? Yeah. I mean, presumably you have space in the budget to have there be a character, right? Yeah. And again, like, Kalamini is in the corner, like, drumming his <laughs> fingers on the transporter pad, like, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, I haven't been in, I haven't been in the last eight episodes. Like, and you're giving, you're giving this new person, like, 20 lines of dialogue? Come on. Uh good point you Um, so far all you've given me in season four is some weird kayaking backstory (laughs) is this a prank (laughs) Uh, yeah you managed to have write a write a scene where i had to get into a wetsuit and then take part of it off (laughs) do you know how difficult it is to get into a wet wet (laughs) wetsuit I think I'm going to give my drunk Shimoda to the deceased husband of 90s mom. (laughs) Why that weird music box? Why is that his last personal effect left on the ship? Were those his ashes? Do we ever see what was in the box? No, but it made music when she opened it. So I'm assuming that there's a mechanism in there of some kind. You'd imagine the Uxbridge PTSD for Troy has got to be pretty heavy at that moment. Like, even having yeah. a music box around is going to be terrifying. For, like, a year, she said. Like, <laughs> like she, she like, specially took this and, and kept it in her office for a year. That's got to be, like, a telltale heart. Like, every time she's in her office alone, she just knows that there's a music box in that cupboard waiting to, waiting to be turned on and poison her mind. I think it's pretty strange that she took it upon herself to basically steal someone's personal possession and store it for a year. Yeah. We don't have a problem with that? (laughs) I don't know. The lady seemed really appreciative, though. 
if this were a contemporary doctor and you were in therapy and suddenly your doctor produced from behind the lips couch uh, yeah. one of the possessions that you thought that you threw away, like like some bagged garbage that you, that you <laughs> thought you'd gotten rid of, I think that was pretty fucked up. There's some bank receipts <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> Oh, here's a credit card that came in the mail that you didn't open. Uh, I've noticed that you haven't sorted your recycling as as well as you should be. <laughs> I've taken the liberty liberty of doing that for you. You should get a shredder or take that stuff into the office and shred it there. <laughs> yeah, odd behavior. <laughs> ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? Does it get any better than this? Sure does. This episode <laughs> coming up is season four, episode 11, Data's Day. A friend's impending wedding compounds Data's confusion about the nuances of human feelings. <laughs> I love that as a description because it just really brings into sharp relief how different this show is from all other shows. Like, that's... That's the line that you're putting in like the TV guide, hoping that people will tune in on the on the basis of being compelled by it. <laughs> I don't think that uh, there's anything stronger than a friend's wedding to uh, to confuse anyone about the nuances of human feelings, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, do you remember this one? I don't, not at all. I kind of do. I think it's like it's like one of the few that's a it's like a letter that he's writing to it's a, a an epistemological episode where he's he's uh writing that's the part of the to... flower right that, that's the the <laughs> yeah. the epistemal yeah that's the thing that he's... the bee uh pollinates yeah it's uh it's that part that the bee fucks <laughs> uh he's writing a letter to uh commander maddox actually and uh he's like He's trying to give Maddox some insight into what it's like to be data. Maddox is like, that is not how pollinization works. <laughs> <laughs> I need to disabuse you of this right now. <laughs> uh, well, we don't have any vetoes, so we're going to be watching it. Got a soldier on through. Mm-hmm. If you approve of the way that we describe uh, science... <laughs> one way to show us is by going to maximumfund.org slash donate where you can mm -hmm. be one of the many to help support the production of this show yes uh you can also go there to get more information about our tour uh i wanted to say one thing about the oakland stop which is that we are uh going to be doing it's not going to be a podcast uh, as such, but it will be a uh, us in conversation with Sarus Faravar, the journalist from Ars Technica, who uh, I think in a lot of ways kind of broke our show. Like he wrote the first article about it that uh, kind of put us on a lot of people's radar. And um, if you're going to blame one person for this show's <laughs> existence, yeah, more than me and Ben, it's definitely Sarus. Yeah. Uh, Sarus is a really uh, fascinating guy, really, uh, really smart dude, and uh, we're going to be doing this thing where uh, we'll do kind of like a greatest gen in conversation with Ars Technica, and then we'll do like a Q&A, 
and it's a free event, technically speaking, but we would suggest a $15 donation. And uh, we're doing it to raise funds for the National Center for Science Education, uh, which is a great nonprofit that uh, works really hard to make sure that uh, science education is uh, of high quality and not full of uh, bullshit like bees fucking <laughs> epistems. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I think it's a great cause, and uh, it should be a really fun event. Uh, it's at this place called Eli's Mile High Club in Oakland. Uh, I highly recommend you check out Eli's uh, website. It's a lot of fun. I think they intentionally designed it to look like it came from 1996. Cool. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and it'll just be kind of like, uh, you know, probably an hour of programming and then just a, a hang and a meetup afterwards, and it supports science education. Who, who wouldn't want to be behind that? So come to the San Francisco show and then come to the Oakland show the next night. Yeah, it'll be great. We'll be in town in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, you should also buy our merch. Go to maxfunstore.com and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, every review helps raise our visibility, and that's how we grow the show and uh, helps us uh, helps us make this thing a, a success. So, yeah, you know really what else? That. You know what else helps is uh, talking about us on Reddit. Yeah, uh, uh, we're close to a thousand people signed up for our subreddit yeah uh, greatest gen subreddit that's right uh um, people started posting on r slash star trek too which is yeah which is much big appreciated i think there are a ton of readers over there that would like to know more about us yeah that would it would it, there's like a hundred thousand people on that subreddit if a tenth of them came over to our show that would be a big deal for us yeah um so go do that uh We've got a Facebook group that's all also super active. The the Facebook group and the and the Reddit are always kind of like neck and neck for how many how many people have joined each one, and uh, and they're both really fun places to hang out. Um, we should thank Dark Materia for our music and Adam Ragusea for our other music. Uh, Adam Ragusea made like a new piece of music that I'm obsessed with. Uh, by the way. Uh, so thanks to him for that, and uh, you should check out his podcast, The Pub, on current public media. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an epistemological episode of The Greatest Generation. <laughs> And that was a world champion callback when you were talking about science education. That was, that's what you get when you listen to this show. <laughs> I got to look up epistemology and make sure I'm using it right. That would be the best part is if it were. Oh, fuck. I'm totally not. <laughs> Wait, is it epistemological? Fuck. Oh, man. We're going to get letters, Ben. Which is fine. Just tell people to uh, send their letters to Jesse Thorne. Ha, 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 ha.
All right. Fuck, what was I thinking of? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.